What's up, guys? It's Matt. On today's edition of the TKW Podcast, Kyle Maggio and I talk about the Knicks' first preseason game. We touch on Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson's debut. We talk about what we saw from the backcourt with Frank Nielakina and Trey Burke and Emmanuel Moutier. And just in general, what we expect for the season, what our takeaways are from the first preseason game for this year's Knicks team. So without further ado, let's go. Hello, folks, and welcome to the TKW Podcast. I am Matt Spendley, and I'm joined today by Kyle Maggio. What's going on, my friend? It feels very good to be back. Um, we officially got out of the woods here. The off season's over, so we actually have basketball to discuss, and that's always very, very fun. I'm ready to discuss this game. It's funny because we're recording this right at the end, so there's 34 seconds left. It's tied at 108. Wizards are on the line. Uh, so we're just going to talk about what happened tonight because it was absolutely stupendous to have actual basketball on my television tonight it was an entertaining game the first half especially uh, the third quarter started to slow down a bit it gets sloppy especially when you get the reserves in there but you know we saw some great signs from some of the young nick players kevin knox and mitchell robinson had good games we saw some nice things from from some other guys some of the veterans that have been around so kyle first impressions thoughts on the game um i i really enjoyed how aggressive knox was with looking for his offense i liked how i liked his activity on the boards as well um i mean he finished with a, a double double so he was 13 points uh four of nine shooting two of five from deep three of four from the line he had 10 rebounds three assists one turnover and a couple of steals and um it was just little things that I saw from him tonight, um, not just stuff that shows up in the stat sheet, but uh, one drive, I think he drove left, and he kind of just botched his finish, which we know he does if he drives left, and then he just, you know, instead of like getting down about it or like floating out of bounds like a lot of players will do, he just, you know, like a magnet, just went right back to the ball, right at the rim, got the ball back, got fouled, and went to the line. And that's nice. You want to see that from a young player. You know, he's not giving up, keeping his head down or anything. And especially from your top picks, so that was enjoyable. Um, another thing that I like, too, I, I know he has the three assists, but one pass in particular, and I don't want to make this like a Kevin Knox love fest because there is other things, too. But Oh, um, no, that's exactly what this is. Yeah, That's but, what the whole season is. But he, did you see the one pass that he, he threaded through two guys? It, it went out of bounds, but... It hit Moutier right in the hands, and Moutier fumbled it, and it went out of bounds. And it Moutier, Moutier, yes. Are you sure he made a mistake? Yeah, we yeah. Talking about you, the same you, Moutier. Yeah, can you believe it? No, <laughs> I, but, um, I really can't. I'm but, shocked. But I'm Knox hit him with this nice little bounce pass. I, yeah, you know he uh, he was a, around half court on the left side, and he threw it um, on an angle diagonally to Moutier, who was streaking down the right side of the court, but he was behind the defenders. So Knox got the ball through. Where it needed to go, and then um, Moutier botched it. But that was something that we had discussed about Kevin Knox being a potential uh, sort of a playmaker on the wing if he had that ability. And that's something that he had talked about a lot too, being able to make the right reads and passes. Um, 
And again, not to go full-blown overreaction over the first preseason game in his first NBA minutes, but it's like those little things, like making that kind of a pass, like having the instincts to do it and, and being able to fit it through and get it there, even though it wasn't a successful pass from uh, Moutier's end, that was good. Seeing him really fight and scrap on the boards, that was good. Like, we know he's going to get his shot opportunities, so the 13 points don't overly wow me because it's something that we expect from an offensive talent like him. But seeing him, you know, fight and, and be physical and, and make those right reads was something that I really, really enjoyed. So what they about are going you? to overtime, by the way. Excellent. 108, 108. That's exactly <laughs> what we need in, uh, in the preseason, in the first game. It's perfect. Yeah, just let's get these, get as many Ron Baker minutes as we can because hopefully he plays little in the season. But yeah, I think your, your point about Knox is great because the concern that we have with him going into the season, I'm not worried about him scoring. I think At about all. 13 points is what we should expect him to average during the season. I forgot if we discussed it on prior pods, but I think we I think we had agreed somewhere between like 12 being comfortable, 15 right. being like the max barring yes. like a breakout phenomenal rookie season. And on only 9 shots too. That's what I like to see. You know, 4 of 9, you know, he had two threes, three or four from the line, he got to the line and he got his rebounds. I think what I loved seeing with beyond Knox and to some other guys that we saw this with Knox and Hardaway and you know, some of the other forwards that got rebounds, Sezonia, they got the rebound and they're pushing it up the court. And that's clearly a, a Fizdale thing. He's saying, when you get that rebound, my ball handlers, because I have faith in you guys, a Hardaway and Knox, all of these wings that have the potential to run some pick and roll to do some things, push that ball up the court and see if we can't take advantage of the defense before they get set. And even with Trey Burke, we see that. I think Trey Burke... Fisdale clearly loves his stamina because you can tell Burke running up and down the court. As soon as he gets that inbounds pass, he's running up and down. And what I think is kind of ironic is one of the teams that really started to make this a staple of their offense, which was running the ball up the court no matter what, was Hornacek's sons with Goran Dragic. So it's a little ironic that the Knicks are doing this after they fired Jeff Hornacek. But either way, from Knox, you love the little things I, I tweeted this out too. He's not a guy that always jumps off the screen. And this is why for a, a period of time when I was doing my college evaluations, I kind of fell out of love with him. I wasn't all that intrigued with him anymore. He started to fall down draft boards a little bit because he had a tendency to disappear in games. He'd have a game against Tennessee and he would have six points and, you know, he'd shoot four times, six times and just not do that much. But that could kind of also go the other way where you look at the box score, you're like, oh, wow, Kevin Knox had 13 and 9 tonight or 13 and 10 or 14 and 8 where he had a good game, but he didn't necessarily jump off the screen. And that's why he has a nice floor established because he also is going to lead the Knicks in minutes tonight unless there are overtime minutes that end up getting doled out that push someone else. But he led them with 26 minutes played in a preseason game, which tells me that he's going to be given every opportunity to not only start, but to play a leading role in this offense once the regular season starts. Yeah, and, and one thing, when the starting lineup came out today, and I didn't, I really didn't want to get ahead of myself, I almost tweeted it from the TKW account, but I felt like there was a strong possibility that I would have gotten lambasted. Um, I was going to tweet that that starting spot at the three for Kevin Knox is going to be his position to lose. And I held back just because it's the first you know, game of the preseason, Courtney Lee was a uh, scratch with a sore neck, I believe. So, yeah, I, I didn't want to get ahead of myself. But 
when I when you got to see the freedom that he was allowed to play with, and again, I know it's the preseason. I just want to keep pounding that home point, uh, right. that point home. But um, the freedom that he was allowed to play with, and how long of a leash, you know, referencing the minutes that you just described that he had, uh, he led the team tonight. So I think that's really indicative of where the franchise, you know, feels about how they feel about him, how Fizdale feels about him, and um, I mean that's. That's what we wanted. You know, that's what we wanted last year with Frank and Neil Aquino. You know, uh, we wanted him to be able to just play. And uh, Hornacek kind of had him on this weird leash. Beginning of the year, he was playing 25, 30 minutes. Second half of the year, seemingly after doing nothing wrong, you know, as an 18, 19-year-old guard, he was sort of relegated to 15 or so minutes. Stuck behind Emmanuel Moutier and and, uh, Trey Burke. So it just seemed like that's the encouraging stuff we were hoping for from David Fisdale just to let these young guys go out there and play. Again, I know it's the, the, the preseason, but um, I was happy about that. And then even, um, you know, Trier kind of came on late in that game. and He, he did. He's been cooking. Second half specifically, he got an opportunity and, and did something with it. So, I mean, that was also enjoyable. But uh, what other notes did you have? Just one last note about the starting lineup. I think this will be their starting lineup game one. I know that there was some talk about – Oh, you know, it's just the first game that I'm going to mess around with it. I've said from the beginning, and we've really driven this point home, Hardaway and Cantor are locks, so forget about it. Lance Thomas is a guy that the Knicks have liked and have talked up, and they like his veteran presence, and Fisdale likes him, so it's no surprise that he ends up starting. Knox, after what we see tonight, what we see in the Summer League, I don't see how they don't start him right from Game 1. It's not like... Anil Aquina or Porzingis when they came in where they didn't have the body or the experience. Knox has the frame to already come out here and be an NBA player. There shouldn't be a concern. It's just start him from game one. So you got those four. At that point, then it's just Burke or Neil Aquina. And I wouldn't be surprised if they start Burke. I don't agree with it. But at the end of the day, it's not really that important because I think they'll still get their minutes either way. The annoying thing, which I said during this program moving in, and then we saw a lot of tonight, was the Neil Aquino Moutier minutes, which are just atrocious for everyone involved. These two shouldn't play together because, number Ever. one, number one, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> we can get into all of them. Number one is you're limiting yourself in terms of floor spacing right off the bat because no one respects either of those guys from three. And we have aspirations about what Frank can become as a three-point shooter, but he's not there yet. He's not a threat. Teams aren't going to regard him as a threat. Number two, every time Emmanuel Moody is on the floor, he makes his teammates worse. We have ample evidence of that being the case. So when you play him with your young, budding point guard, it's not what you want. Whether you think Frank is a point guard, a shooting guard, an off-ball guard, whatever you think he is, there are no scenarios where he should be playing any minutes with Emmanuel Moody. If only because you want to let Frank learn in the pick and roll and give him opportunities to play off the ball as well to be a spot-up shooter in the corner, do different things, play with the basketball, and also serve a role that the Knicks can rely on him off the ball when you have another guard. Or, in this scenario, with the Knicks, they have other wings that can do these things. Mm -hmm. So when you have Hazonia and Knox and Hardaway and Courtney Lee to a certain extent, and even Trey Burke next to Neil Aquina, these are guys that can play with the basketball. So I don't see why... Moutier and Neil Aquino play minutes together. The lineups are brutal. But then the question is, if Frank doesn't start, when would those minutes with Neil Aquino and Moutier not come? Because 
the Knicks clearly want to give Moutier a chance here. I don't know if that's the right move, and I can say with almost the utmost certainty that it's not, but it seems like something that they're prioritizing. So I hate those lineups, and I want to see less of them, and that means Neil Aquina starting. But in the end of, at the end of the day, all you want to see is less Moutier in general. So I guess my hang-up is then where because there is going to be no lineup to play Moutier in. You know, there's going to be like no... He he very clearly makes everybody worse. And then that's why I always think about, well, if he's not going to play with Frank, then where is he going to play? Like, what's the optimal lineup for him? And it's like, I don't know that there there is one. Like, I think you just sort of got to hope he just gets phased out at some point. So I guess my question to you is, I mean, how long is his leash going to be? I understand giving him a chance. He's He's, I think, 22 years old. He's still young. You think maybe you get him in this new system with Fisdale, and we've seen it happen with players. It's not a, a frequent thing that happens, but sometimes guys get the right coaches. They realize that potential that they had, and then you know it's a nice story. But how much of a how long of a leash do you think that they're actually going to give Moutier here? Longer than fans want, and longer than we would like to think that they would give him. So you're because... thinking after the All Star break? Oh, I think he'll play the whole season. I don't think that he'll unless he's atrociously bad but here's the thing with Moutier he will have those games every once in a while where you'll remember last year he had what he had 14 points in the first quarter against do they play Indiana and all of a sudden you're like oh maybe this is something he can do and then he'll be terrible for the next five games but his awfulness comes a lot from the underlying numbers and the underlying statistics even beyond the eye test. So we can watch him play and know that he's bad, but when you look, he's consistently one of the worst guys in terms of plus-minus. He struggles to play with guards that also want the ball because he's not much of a shooter. He's not a great pick-and-roll player. He attacks the rim, but he's not a good finisher. There's just not a lot he does well, but I still think that he's the kind of guy that a front office can talk themselves into and say, hey, let's just let's just keep it going. But th- I think he'll get all of this year because, again, I don't think it matters because I think the Knicks are going to be so bad. But I don't want them to give Frankie almost a treatment where you're putting a rookie in a bad situation to develop bad habits. And that's what I worry about when you play with a guy like Emmanuel Moutier. And, you know, it's it's hard to to really lambast a guy this much. And it's not because of one preseason game, just to be clear. We, we know that Moutier, we have so much evidence of years of him not being a positive player on the basketball court. So, He's just not a guy that you really want to expose to that many minutes, but I do think that the Knicks are going to give him 20 minutes a game, which then you ask, where are those minutes going to come from and who's he going to be paired with? And it's going to be Frank if they're going to start Trey Burke. Okay, so what other observations did you have tonight? Was there anybody else that jumped out to you? Well, Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson's a big one. What What did you like? What didn't you like? All right, so a couple things that you have to like. I mean, his energy is infectious, and yes. you can tell. When he's yep. on the court, he is 110% all the time. He's he, just bouncy as hell. Like, he got, he got Keith ejected. Yes. Oh, that was that was fantastic. Did you see there was the – Keith kind of kept talking because they had a little spat, and they kind of went chest to chest. And then Robinson kind of – they came back down the court, and Robinson was just kind of like, dude, just shut up, man. And Keith kept talking, and the ref just pointed right at him and tossed him. And I think for just a split second, Robinson thought they might have been teeing him up again. And he had that brief flicker of fear in his eye where he's like, oh, no, I want to keep playing basketball. Don't do this to me. And then they tossed Keith out. I, I loved it. It was great. But beyond that bulldog attitude, it's 
it's the bounciness. He can get up when he's with a guard. The absolute gall and temerity he has attacking the rim is what jumps off the screen. And you love, in a pick and roll with anyone, he's a threat when he's running the floor. On defense, his energy, again, is is great, especially around the rim. You know, he's he had a couple nice plays on guys that are driving. He does a good job of utilizing his arms around the hoop to adjust if a guy tries to scoop one around him. He does a good job of foiling that. Some of the negatives, which we're going to see, I mean, he had three fouls in nine minutes early in the game. So that's always going to be a concern with him just because he's going to keep jumping all over the place. There was a couple times where he ends up in a pick and roll. And the Knicks are mostly going to play a pretty passive pick and roll strategy. They're going to play a conservative. The center is going to drop back. They're not going to try to be too aggressive and get really switchy with it. So with Robinson, if he's dropping back and he jumps out for a second, there was one play where he jumped out. Wizard center gets the ball down low, goes up for the layup. Robinson doesn't even really try to block the shot. He just fouls him, but he just kind of throws his arms out over there. So those are the things when you're watching him as a young player, he's going to struggle with. And the foul trouble is going to be a factor. But then I would also say he's not expected to play that many minutes anyways. So if he's going to pick up four fouls, but he's only going to play 15 minutes, it's not the end of the world. It's just a matter of putting that guy at the line, giving the opposition points that are easy to get from the charity stripe. But, you know, beyond that, it's it's for a second round pick. We don't expect him to be overly good. But I was also surprised with how many minutes he played. I didn't expect him to play quite as many. He played 16 and then he didn't play as much as the game went on. He was also the first big off the bench. Him and Moutier came in as the guys to replace the starters in the first quarter. So that was encouraging. And it shows that the Knicks are probably going to give him another guy that's going to get an opportunity to succeed or fail. Fly by the seat of his pants. So what do you think of Mitchell Robinson tonight? Or should I say Mitchell Robinson? Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. As a, uh... He got pretty, yeah, the newly anointed. So, um, a, a lot of the same points, and a lot of those points were were things that we were fearful of the last couple of weeks as we sort of previewed this season and, and his role in it. Right. And before you, before you continue, he didn't do anything tonight that surprised me. It was exactly what we saw in summer league, and we're going to express the same concerns that we had. And and to build on that, that's sort of a good thing too, because had he Absolutely. come in, had he come in here and just gotten just bulldozed left and right, not been able to really make any kind of an impact, even with his activity. Um, that would have been discouraging. Like, and we saw him catch lobs and, you know, have some sort of an offensive impact in summer league. And again, had he not been able to find those lanes in NBA action, again, it is preseason, but these are now actual NBA players. Even if a couple of them are fringe, they're still actual NBA players, which is a, a vast difference from the summer league. So the fact that he's still finding those lanes, like there was that one uh, that one play where Moutier threw a nice little lob from a little over half court where, where, he, where he threw it down. And it's like, you know, seeing that kind of stuff keeps you encouraged for the potential that he has. But again, you know, and, and uh, I know you guys got roasted for the last pod. I wasn't on this one for uh, your hatred of Mitchell Robinson. But we hate him. Yeah, we you, hate him with every fiber of our being. We hate him. Yeah, Let's make it clear. Yeah, but like I mean that—that's <laughs> all we were trying to say. Is like, look, th- there is potential, and for a second-round pick, and maybe he is a first-round talent. I, I actually wholeheartedly believe that. I think had we had any team seen what they saw in the summer league, he probably would have went top twenty. But that's just my opinion. But 
the the fouls are going to be there and it's just his age it's just he's still kind of growing into himself a little bit his instincts are clearly there you can see he he's right he reads to me he reads the plays well sometimes too well that he bites and believes you know guys are going to go when they aren't going to go or he throws himself you know his body into the uh into the offensive player like these are things that are, that are going to happen all year if he plays and that's okay because if he's still doing things that he's good at, like he's still catching the labs, if he's not getting run over, you know, at this age and this point in his career, like that's, those are still positives. Like nobody's trying to hate him, but it's like, this is what we mean by he's not ready to start yet. It's not because we don't want him to start. In a perfect world, he is Clint Capella 2.0. And then we trot him out there over Canther and he makes a dramatic impact and everybody's very happy. But, you know, he really isn't ready yet. He can be a really good impact big off the bench. I believe that. I, I don't know what capacity or what minutes, but I think if he gets adjusted well, I think that's very possible. But I, I think when you know people kind of laid into you guys last week, they weren't really understanding the message. We believe in him. We're high on his talent and his upside. You know, there's a lot to like even in tonight's game beyond what we just saw in the summer league. But you know, there are still lots of cons, and it's not because we we don't like the guy. It's because we. It's the same thing with Frank. We have lots of cons with right. Frank and his offense. We love Frank. We want Frank to be great. But if Frank wants to be a starting guard in this league, not just a point guard, a starting guard, he has to improve dramatically in the offensive end. He just does. Or else he's going to be just a defensive guard. And you could find plenty of those on the benches or for situational um, you know, times in the game. So this is just the natural critique that happens with young players. So... Um, just to, to close off of the Mitchell Robinson thing. So, yeah, I mean, I like I liked mostly what I saw. Again, the, my, my uh, complaints are the same as the ones you had. But um, other than that, I, I didn't have uh, a ton that I, I hated or enjoyed overly uh, a ton. But one guy I did want to talk about was the new guy, Mario Hazonia. Yes. Um, the pros was he hit shots. Um, the cons. The cons were he took shots. <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't. I didn't mind. I mean, he was three six from the field. He's one of three from deep. I was mostly concerned with how sloppy he played. Um, yeah, well, that's the thing. That's I, his passing too. In in Orlando, you would see all the time. He would try to do these crazy passes, and you could just see the coaching staff is like, "Oh my god, can you please just not?" He's like Michael Beasley in a sense, although he's a much better shooter. He's a much different player, but in just the sense that he can be wildly entertaining one second and then supremely frustrating in the next so overall i didn't mind what he was trying to do like i got it he was trying to get some shots get him the, to the flow of the offense and um with that you know he didn't want to just shoot so he was trying to to pass a lot and you'll see that with new teammates from time to time they want to fit in and impress and, and build that chemistry up but um you don't love five turnovers um this was a a an argument we had all day in Slack today about why his own wasn't starting over Lance Thomas. And we said, well, you know, with Lance, you get some three point shooting and some defense. And that's exactly what we got from Lance today. And right. I don't want to sit here and, and suddenly uh, tout that that was a correct take because Mario could play very well the rest of the year. Like we all hope he does. But, you know, I think in this moment, that was the right move. I, I, I didn't hate what I saw from his despite the turnovers, I guess, you know, that, it's not something that you love to see, but I guess I understand why it happened, and I don't hate it in the first preseason game. Yeah. I didn't hate it either. I, I think he's a guy that this team will need just because they're going to need some offense from the wings. 
on a side note, I think that their wings are going to be kind of the engine that drives this team because it's going to be Hardaway, Knox, Hazonia. These are the guys that are going to be your shooters. You're going to have your Trey Burks, and Cantor's going to get his inside. But like, I really think that the wings are going to be the engine of this team and whatever Courtney Lee can provide too. So for Thomas, he's one of the most intriguing players to me, Lance Thomas, just from a pure basketball sense. He's had 12 points today. Two threes was exactly a normal Lance Thomas game, but he is one of the worst rebounders I've ever seen. He doesn't pass the basketball. He can't do much once he gets in the lane, although he did have a nice driving layup today. So, And the numbers don't necessarily paint him as a great defender. So he's just one of the most confounding players because theoretically he's a good fit in some of these lineups for the Knicks. But when you have it in practice, it doesn't always come to fruition and they need to make sure that they deploy him in the right scenarios. I know you're a big Lance Thomas guy. I'm not even a big Lance Thomas guy as much as I'm a big Lance Thomas doesn't suck guy. I think that's what always ends up happening with this is, so you're not dying on the hill. You're just not kind of sitting on the edge. Yeah, because everybody likes to say Lance Thomas stinks, and I, and I don't get it. And it's a lot of it's a lot of Knicks fans that do this, and he, he doesn't. I mean, he's generally like the fifth or sixth option on a team when he's on the court. He's never the first or second or even third option. At, at best, he's fourth on the mm-hmm. court. He's asked to just sit there and take open threes. You know, if he's got an open layup, then go for it. But he's not asked to do anything. So I just find it strange for a guy that since he's been in New York has hit 40% of his threes, the thing that he's generally asked to do on offense. I find it very strange that we don't like that guy. And especially he's been on a bad team. So if you, you know, for the last three, four years that he's been here. So when you look at all of his his data, it's very hard to show that he's been a good defender because we know how finicky defensive statistics can be. And it's very hard to isolate the impact there and especially when you're on a bad team with tons of roster turnover year after year it's just i feel like we there nobody's really able to do him the justice that he deserves in the sense that he just kind of gets chalked up to being this five six point per game you know just uh, garbage is, is the way a lot, a, of, yeah, yeah. a lot of yeah a lot of a lot of fans treat him poorly i feel like i mean yeah. he's a he's a role player what are we expecting from him Hit a couple of open threes. He generally gets one of the toughest, if not the toughest, assignments defensively. And when you're a bad team, and again, he's pro- he probably wouldn't be the best defender on a good team or a great team. So he's just a regular, solid defensive role player who can hit a couple of threes, has to take on the toughest defensive assignments every night. I'm not saying he's a good player or a great player or anything of the sort. I'm saying the the, the conclusions that are left to to say that he's a bad player are just out of hand. I think that is just way too much. Like some of the reactions to him starting today were just gross. Oh, well, if you sign Mario Hazonia, why wouldn't you sign Mario uh start Mario Hazonia? It's like, well, he just got here. You don't know how he's going to fit in the flow of the offense. And also, um even in the preseason, you'd like to have some sort of balance in your lineup. You have, you know, Cantor is going to give you only offense. Burke is only going to give you offense. Timmy who's only going to try to give you offense. And then Knox is a rookie. Knox isn't going to be able to defend well. And, yeah, you need one guy in there who's going to be able to play some kind of defense. Tim Hardaway and Mario Hazonia probably shouldn't see that many minutes together either. 
I just worry about having two guys out there that like to chuck like they do. And all of a sudden, if you throw Trey Burke in that mix, you're going to be in for, for some ugly shot selection. And I don't know if the Knicks really want to broach that topic. That that makes me a little wary. But I got one stat for you that I want to throw out there because it goes right into some of the discussion we've had about how the Knicks have attacked bringing up the basketball and working in transition. The Knicks had 24 fast break points tonight. They averaged 8.6 last year, which was 29th in the NBA. They had 11 at halftime. So this is a team that looked to push the basketball, and it was clearly evident. So do you think that the Knicks will look to do that as the season goes on? Do you think that's something that will help them? And do you think that it's something that can continue? I mean, I think... I think it's going to help them. I feel like that's the only thing that they could really do to help themselves, to be honest. And I, it, it matches up with how Fisdale wants to play. And I just think that the guys that he has in this team are sort of tailored to do that. Not that they're going to be successful at it, but I just think that's that's sort of the only option, in my opinion. I mean, this team isn't going to be a team full of defensive stalwarts and stoppers. Even with some of the new additions, they're not going to really be um, an aggressive team from deep. So, I mean, they got to get out and run, right? How many average defenders are on this team? Just average. Lance Thomas, Courtney Frank Lee, Kina, Courtney Lee. Is that's that it? it. That's, pro- that's probably it. I mean, we, we don't, even if Mitchell Robinson is good at defense, he's not going to be good NBA level good. He's going to be good for a rookie good. You know what I mean? He's not going to be you know, NBA yeah. impact level because no rookie is. And that's not an indictment against him. It's just no, even Frank last year, like Frank was not, I mean, I mean, he was, his defense was weird. Like it was very situational. Like as a pick and roll guy, he was like a elite, but yeah. you know, you have to isolate how these guys are effective. So rookies generally aren't good as a whole, but hmm. Frank did not show much tonight. He was kind of quiet. Like, and it's what we expect. I think that I'm just, completely enamored with how the Knicks as a collective decide to deploy him this year. Cause like we mentioned, the, the Moody pairing is just not going to work for me. So with Frank, you play him his 20 minutes and I know we want to play the young guys a lot of minutes, but at the same time, you don't want to just throw these guys out there to the wolves for 32 minutes, especially a guy like Frank. You know, he does look even on the court. It's kind of funny because we take this stuff for granted because we watch the Knicks so much and we follow these guys on Instagram and we see their progression. But if you watch the first game last year to this year, like you can tell even his frame on the basketball court from far away, he looks so much bigger. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, we knew that in summer league he looked fucking yoked. and Exactly. And just seeing him you know, now kind of stay and maintain that shape is always a good thing. I don't know if I'm worried about them playing him in the different guard positions or not, if that makes sense. Like, does that does that allow him more room to grow, or does that confuse what he's good at? Do you know it's what I'm saying? Line. Yeah, it's a fine line. And That's on the coaching staff. And I feel like, I, I honestly, I had no quarrels with how Jeff Hornacek was handling him the first month and a half of last season. I felt like Frank got all the right opportunities. He was playing like 20, 25 minutes a game, um, pretty much exclusively at the point guard position. We got to see him uh, a decent amount with KP, and we saw a lot of those flashes that, that we enjoyed. We saw those earlier in the year during that time period. And 
since then it's just been sort of a mismatch. I mean, we've seen we've seen him play like only at the two. We've seen him start at point guard. We and now with Fisdale, Fisdale doesn't want to put a label on him, which is fine. I agree with that, but I don't. I guess I'm I'm concerned because in in trying to not make him something he's not, that usually gets referenced as him not being a point guard. But what if it's the opposite? What if what if it means trying him out at the two is making him something he's not? You know, it's a very... How do you feel about it? Because I honestly don't know how to feel about it. I, I'm not, I don't care what position he ends up being as long as it's whatever he's best at. But do you see what I'm trying to ask? Because I'm, I'm very confused by what the proper approach should be to be getting the most out of him here. So you're basically saying, should they assign him one role or should they give him opportunities to do a lot of different things. And you're worried if they let him do a lot of different things, he'll be unsure of what his ultimate role is. Is that the concern? Basically, like, are, are they going to let him play too much in, in in different spots? Whereas, like, if you restrict him a little bit. I think you roll him out there in different lineups and you let him be the lead pick and roll ball handler in some. And in others, he plays off the ball. The more that you can put a guard in different scenarios in 2018, the better that they can get. I'm not worried about Frank being pigeonholed into one certain spot, and I think the Knicks have opened themselves up to allowing him to become whatever he ends up being. And I think that they're leaving it up to the coaching staff and, honestly, Frank himself to fulfill whatever his ultimate destiny is because we spilled a lot of ink it, it's talked about a lot about whether frank is the point cutter of the future or not for this team but when you're putting him on the court with certain players he can be the point guard or the shooting guard and this is the problem with emmanuel moutier moutier has to have the ball in his hands to be effective and even then he's not effective trey burke also does but at least trey burke is more of a threat to score and can get in the paint and makes better passes once he's in there. And Burke has talked more about kind of shifting his shot profile to become more of a three-point shooter this season because his mid-range frequency was just too high last year and it's shot at an unsustainable clip, which I'm sure we'll bring up plenty of times this year. But with Frank Nilekina, he's out there. He's going to be a good defender no matter what. So as far as I'm concerned, he's got that floor already in place, which is nice because that's what you need as a guard. If he was a guy that was struggling this much on defense and we weren't, or excuse me, on offense, and we weren't convinced that he was going to be such a weapon on defense, then it's a totally different story. But we know that he's an asset on that end and there's no reason we should expect that to change. It's going to be about the offensive development. And the more that you watch, the more the time goes on, you struggle to see if he'll ever be able to reach that peak. And that's the thing to follow this season. It's how they use him with other guards, and it's what type of upside, the little things that we see, and it's the minor signs that can maybe end up paying off. We talk about how young he is, so he has a lot of room to grow this season, and the Knicks should give him every opportunity to do so in a variety of different situations and line of constructions. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I just, where do you see him ultimately ending up here? Because if you asked me before tonight's game, even just after watching the summer league games, my my heart would have still wanted to say he's going to be the point guard, but my gut probably would have said he's going to develop into the two, just because of how much weight he added and then the, right. the height he grew an inch, and I, I started to feel like he was going to be the two. But what do you think? 
it's just hard to see him at this stage. And, you know, when we're talking his the short term here, I'm talking this year, you know, next year, the next couple of years that we're looking to Frank to me to be a good point guard in the NBA in 2018. It's hard to be a good point guard and not be a threat in that pick and roll scenario, because you look at all the best guards have just a knack for step back threes being able to drive and Frank hasn't shown especially with the threes yet that he has an ability to do that and we know he's young we always want to give that caveat because we know that the potential is there for him to achieve those kind of things but when it comes down to it for this team they should just want another guard and it's what comes into question is how is this team going to look in two years well Frank Nielakina need to be their point guard of the future because the Knicks are going to have another draft pick this year and that's going to be a high draft pick, presumably. And there are some guys at the top of this draft that are ball handlers, and that could come in and potentially take some of that load off. The more ball handlers you have, the better. We've talked about it. Look at the Boston Celtics with their roster. Why are they so good? Because they have versatility up and down the lineup. Right. Kyrie Irving is clearly a point guard. But they also have guys. Gordon Hayward, how much did he run the pick and roll in Utah? You're going to see him run the pick and roll a ton this season. Frank Nielakina can still be an asset without being the point guard of the future, if you know what I mean. He doesn't need to be that. For those that still believe he can be that, I have no qualm, and I think that there's still reason to. And I'm certainly not saying that anyone is crazy for thinking that. I still haven't exactly made up my mind. But the bottom line is what we see with guards in the NBA today, you need to be able to run the pick and roll. You need to be able to shoot that three ball, and you need to be able to finish around the rim. And those are things that Frank is still severely struggling with and will need to just take to another level to be able to reach his future potential. But he's still an asset for this team. His defense gives him a built-in, caked-in floor that allows him to be an asset on the floor at all times. just a matter of figuring out those little nuances. And that comes with lineup decisions. That comes with nurturing. That comes with better shooting on the perimeter to give more space. It's all connected and it's about being put in the right situations yeah no i i agree very much um i'm just trying to think of any other i have one i have a thing that i'm going to say and this isn't going to sound crazy but i i really mean this when i say it are you ready yep i think kevin knox is going to be really good and i'm worried about how i'm glad i was sitting down when he said that no no listen to me listen to me because i know it doesn't sound like much I'm worried about how optimistic my brain is about this because we always need to be measured and I try to be calculated with this. And even with Porzingis, when he started playing well, I think Knox is going to be really, really good. And he just does so many things well on the floor. And that jumper is just a thing of beauty. And he makes it look so easy. I said this when I did the videos, when I watched Kentucky this year in the summer league. He's just so smooth with the basketball. In the open floor, he is so smooth. He can run the pick and roll. He had one real nice coast-to-coast sweeping layup. I have concerns about him committing too soon to an action once he gets in transition and as a ball handler where he can end up kind of getting out of control. But either way, the way that he carries himself to, it's something that Breen and Frazier said on the broadcast tonight. He always looks composed. He's always calm. His demeanor is always the same. He's very just even keel. And his scoring is 
just comes so naturally to him. As a wing in the NBA, he is tall, he is long, he can pop out on the pick and roll. He had a couple nice passes. You already mentioned one. He had a couple nice passes off the pick and roll. He had a nice little touch pass to, I think it was Lance Thomas, who hit a three. I'm wildly optimistic about him. I'll always temper expectations with Robinson just because even at his peak, I still think he's the type of player that's hard to fit in every single NBA lineup. You have to formulate a certain lineup with a guy that is not a threat from anywhere outside three feet. But with Knox, I think we saw some people that were big Miles Bridges fans have some consternation because Miles Bridges looked really good in their first couple of games. I chatted with a couple of people because I was interacting with a ton of people during draft time that liked Miles Bridges and they said, you know, I hope Knox ends up doing okay. My hot take, and it's not the, the hot take in the purest sense of the word, but I'm wildly optimistic about his potential, and I think he's going to turn a lot of heads this season around the league, not just with the Knicks. And I'm on record for saying that. I mean, it, it's hard to argue otherwise, right? I mean, in the summer league, he looked very, everything that you just described, very polished, very smooth, looked like he belonged on the court in the summer league. It looked like he didn't belong in the summer league, you know? It looked like he belonged in the NBA. And even seeing him tonight, it just looked like, he just looked like an NBA player. Like, you know, Frank, last year we had to wait for moments where he looked like an NBA player. Yes. And, and offensively, those moments didn't really come often. And defensively, they started to appear more often. But um, Knox kind of right away, just the way he fit into the flow of the offense. He didn't really look unnerved. Um, he started off a little bit slow with his shot. And then it seemed like it kind of got rolling from there on out. Um, I, I do like that he got to the line a few times tonight. We mentioned that at the top of the podcast with just being aggressive. And, you know, 10 boards from your wing, even at a preseason game, is pretty good. You know, you want to see that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a lot to like. And, I mean, he's he's just he's got a grown man's body. At, what is he, 19 years old? I, 20. I mean, 20. I mean, the, the, the list goes on for things that we should be excited about with Knox. And, again, like you said, we should always um, be cautiously optimistic and and try to not get ahead of ourselves but when you see a guy just every time you see him at a a new level whether it was the summer league or you know his first preseason game um and and just be able to fit in so easily it just seemed very seamless like it just seems like that transition and he's inevitably going to go through some rough patches this season of course he is but to, to see how nonchalant and how easy it's been so far that's very very encouraging and I, just like you, am enjoying that very, very much. Um, I was worried pretty tremendously tonight that he was going to come in and struggle. We know against the likes of an Otto Porter Jr. or uh, Kelly Oubre or even Bradley Beal is a pretty capable defender. They have some guys on the wing there on the perimeter that he was matched up with, could have been matched up with. Um, even Austin Rivers was a sneaky good defender. and. Sure. He just did okay. And again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's game one of the preseason of a very long year ahead of us. But he checked a lot of the boxes that we were looking for, including some with that we weren't. You know, uh, the the 10 rebounds, that quiet double-double like you mentioned was was good. Had he had five or six rebounds, we would have talked about his rebounding being uh, pretty good. But the fact mm-hmm. that he got 10 is... Obviously, that's great. If he ever if he averaged ten rebounds, we would be 
singing his praises from the mountaintop. So just a, a lot to like. We'll see what happens um, in the next game. I believe it's Wednesday. And yep. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yep. So we'll, we'll go from there. We have a lot. You know, there's a lot of ground to cover between now and then. So hopefully we see more of the same. But again, very. I, I do want to agree with you. I do. And I, you know how I am with the Knicks. Um, even with Fizdale, you see the way I tweet about it on the account. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like Fizdale. I really like Fizdale. I really like the culture that they're building. I really like Scott Perry. But I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe Absolutely. it when I see it. And That's how it should be. And that's how it should be. But when you when you start to see it just a little bit with Kevin Knox, it's very enticing. I agree with you. It's very hard to, to, to I guess, practice that cautious optimism that we love to preach. He is 19. I thought his birthday was a year earlier, but so he is 19 because I thought he turned 20, but he turned 19. I'd like every, so, I'd like all the the follow uh, listeners that we have to mark this day down. Of all the times Matt has corrected me, <laughs> of all the times, this one time. And this is the guy that I I did all this stuff, and I'm sure during when I was doing my prep, I was like, this guy's only 18 years old. Don't worry about it. He's so young. Mark it down. Market, today, th- today's the day. Today's the day Matt tried to get me, and he was wrong. So um, I'll take my one win in the last calendar year and uh, put it in my pocket. I'll enjoy that. Take your victory lap. Enjoy it. Um, uh, it'll, you, come back to, it'll come back to get you. Don't worry. It'll come back to bite you. So, it, it certainly will. So did you have any <laughs> other notes from the game? Any Anybody else that – Yes. I have a couple notes on some guys that came in late. We started recording during the fourth quarter, so we didn't get to watch quite as much, but – so you mentioned Alonzo True before. I certainly uh, did because that boy's good. Yes. Well, here's my worry about him. So let me preface it by saying he was quite good. 13 points in 21 minutes, 3 of 7. Got to the line six times, hit all six free throws. He has one of the most committed tunnel visions I've ever seen in my entire life for any player. Sheer determination. Wildly impressive. But I worry that in a, in a normal game setting, which is why I think he should spend most of his time in Westchester this year, which is why I don't mind if the Knicks keep him on the two-way deal. But they've also been really impressed with him, so we'll see what they end up doing. But he should be able to get an opportunity to be the leading scorer for a team w- before he starts to be in the NBA and learn. Because at Arizona, it was a weird team, too, because they had Aiton and Roley Alkins and Parker Jackson Cartwright and Ristich. They had a, a strange team where he didn't get to completely always take over. If you give him an opportunity to go in Westchester and just say, you're the offense and you're going to be playing with Isaiah Hicks, you know, you have some of these other guys sometimes that'll end up helping you out, but they should give him an opportunity there. I, my dad works with a guy that knows Alonzo Trier and chats with him pretty often. And Alonzo Trier said that in the next two to three years, he'll be the best guard on the Knicks. Said it like just straight up. That's what he believes. So his confidence he wears on his sleeve. I mean, that's certainly a thing that you would want from a young player. So, But is it hubris if it goes too far? If you're saying something like that when you're a two-way player and you are an undrafted free agent? I, I don't know if it's hubris. I, it's going to be hubris if he doesn't do anything with his opportunities. I, I think right now it's not. You know, we, we can certainly look back on this in a while, and, and it will be. But I, I think to begin your NBA career and... I think that's the kind of confidence that you'd want to have. I know it's a different route, in a sense, from another Westchester guy who's up here now in, in Trey Burke, who Trey had to go get humble down there and kind of enjoy being in the G League and uh, enjoying the journey to get back up and not really saying too much and letting his work speak for him. But um, I, I kind of like it. I mean, he was a gunner in Arizona. He, he's going to be a gunner in Westchester, and he wants to be a gunner at the NBA level. And 
you know, he succeeded at Arizona enough that he he got this opportunity here. So he's going to spend a lot of time in Westchester. So let's hope that he proves it there and gets the call up. Um, I guess my question to you is, would you, after today's game, so entirely recency bias, but would you rather have Alonzo Trier on this NBA roster for the New York Knickerbockers, or would you rather have Ron Baker? In a vacuum, Trier. But if the Knicks have any future aspirations for Trier, I do think he would benefit more from being in Westchester and being the number one option. Undoubtedly. And undoubtedly, I agree with you. So in a vacuum, you'd obviously rather have Trier because we both think Ron Baker is useless as an NBA player. The reason I, so, ask, the reason I ask is, it, correct me if I'm wrong, or yeah. we'll have to do some research for the next pod, but um, is there not a way where... The Knicks, let's say Trier has a just standout, sensational preseason the rest of the way, right? Is there not a way, and I think it's through waving a Ron Baker or somebody on this roster, like on the actual NBA roster who's slated to make that uh, that team, can't they waive somebody, one of those NBA deals, to then convert Alonzo Trier to the NBA deal. Yes, they can do that. They can add a two-way player to the roster. I think if you give him the guaranteed money and then you flip another player's deal into the two-way deal. As if I am understanding it correctly and please don't necessarily take that. We're certainly not capologists, but they've talked about Trier making the roster, which would lead me to believe that he would be more than a two-way player, but if he's not a guy you're going to play, then why would you have him make the roster when he can go play at Westchester? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and we've been really high on the G League for a couple of years now, especially oh, yeah. especially the Knicks' um, utilization of it. Because they've been, been damn good. They've, they've been, had some good players come from the G League. Yeah, and they have, for all the ire that we give their player development program at the NBA level, one thing that they do really well is manage the Westchester team and manage the... Um, transition from the Westchester team to the the big league and how they even in Iraq during the season with how we saw Dame Dotson sometimes play a game in the afternoon then come up to the you know the big league team at night and um, so knowing what we know about the Westchester Knicks and the way the Knicks use the G League affiliate I would much rather prefer Trier go and get his burn at that level I you know, I think a lot of people still attach that negative connotation to it, that it's the G League and it's a lesser league, and if he wants to learn, he should be in the big league. But, I mean, if he comes up here, I mean, has he done enough yet to really overtake even a Dame Dotson? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, a guy who last year was on a two-way deal and showed us things and little bits and pieces and opportunities, is, is he going to come in and outplay what Dame Dotson did last year in those opportunities? I mean, I well, don't know. Dotson wasn't on a two-way. He was just a second-round pick. Right, but he was still back and forth. Is yes, yes, yes. So yes. my point is I don't know if he's going to be able to outperform what we saw from Dotson, and Dotson was getting limited minutes. So I, I'm with you there. I'd rather they just – I get I, – I, I too want to get Ron Baker off this team. You know that. I, I don't want him on this team. And if it was the choice, I absolutely – I would. I would want to do that, but – if we're talking about long-term development, making you know Trier's ideals come to fruition here, I think you got to leave him in Westchester. Let him just yep. get those. He's going to average twenty-something points a game. He's made sure. to score. I mean, just let him go do it in, in in the G League. I mean, clearly that's the one 
facet of development that the Knicks are good with. Just right. let him go there. I think it's to me it's an easy decision, but also we can't overlook that Fisdale is supposed to be a player development coach and his staff is supposed to be player development and maybe they feel he'll be in better hands at the big league level. That we can't really speak to because we don't have enough of a sample to go off of. We'll see. But like you mentioned, we have confidence in the Knicks' ability to develop players at that level. So I wouldn't mind, especially in the beginning of the season. You never know when the year goes on who's going to get hurt. You know, We saw last year Cornette, Dotson, and Burke at a certain point started to get all those minutes as the year went on due to injuries and just other reasons, mostly tanking. So... We'll see as that goes on. A few final notes. Speaking of Damian Dotson, had 14 points, four rebounds. I didn't get to see a lot of him because he played mostly in the second half, but I think that was good scored, to see. I think he scored eight in overtime, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, so that would make sense because I didn't get to watch a lot of overtime because we were chatting. But Noah Vonley, eight points. I'm curious to see what they really do with him because I liked him at Indiana when he was there, but I mean, you never know what a guy like that can have. He had a really nice dunk, spin move dunk that got called off because of an offensive foul. That, that, so that was cool. Yeah, yeah that, was a, <laughs> that was a nice one. Uh, Kadeem Allen played 17 minutes and had zero points, so doing his thing tonight. Love to see that. Uh, yeah, other than that, I think you saw some positive signs from the two draft picks from Knox and Robinson, and I think when it comes to to preseason that's the number one thing that i was looking for it's kevin knox mitchell robinson what are they going to bring to the table because with frank nilakina and trey burke and then hardaway and Cantor to a completely different level we know what they're going to bring to a certain extent because we've seen them play in nba competition already so this the preseason aspect of this doesn't mean anything to me it's the youngest guys it's the knox and it's the Robinson. Because even when Frank was playing in Summer League, I didn't care. Anything he did, it was just whatever. You know, he's just playing basketball. It's when they get to the regular season, the guys that have seen this already, that have gone through a full season or more, that we'll really get to see if they have a place in this league and can take the next steps that the Knicks hope they can as their development. But a nice overtime win for the Knicks tonight. You have any final thoughts, Kyle, before we get out of here? Um, no, nothing really in particular. Um, just going to do a couple quick little plugs. So go for it. Yep. Um, obviously, just keep going to the knickswall.com because uh, we have this is the go to for daily Knicks content. This is just what we do at this point. You guys know this. You keep coming back, and you're the reason why we can do this successfully. So just keep checking that every day. Right now, we have the recap from tonight's game in case you missed it, uh, or last night's game, rather, when you'll be listening to this podcast. So uh, make sure you catch up on that and more. We just had Chris Stapp's week. Last week, so we detailed lots of things from his injury and recovery to who's going to carry the burden when he um, is missing his time this season. So, I mean, it's just what you know, good content that like you guys expect from us. Um, besides that, make sure you, um, after listening to this pod or you know, whenever, just make sure you go to iTunes, leave us five stars, and a nice little review. Um, Hopefully we'll have some little contests and things of that nature pertaining to the podcast going forward. We'd like to do more things like that for you. We had a nice couple giveaways that we did over the last couple of months, and we'd like to keep doing that. So um, drop us a five-star review so that, you know, we can keep doing this for you guys. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, Last thing, make sure you check out the merch store because it is back. We took a little bit of a, a little bit of a break 
since last season. You know, it's hard to produce uh, merchandise when there's not a whole lot going on. But uh, you'll find in the store our latest two things are for both the rookies. And you'll find the latest one from tonight's game. Um, Mitchell Robinson's shirt finally made an appearance in our store. And it's Mitchell Robinson. So take a look at that. And not just that. Maybe buy the shirt. That would be really good for us and good for you. Because it's a fantastic and creative shirt to have. You'll also find a I Am The One Who Knocks shirts depicting uh, new Knicks rookie Kevin Knox as uh, Walter White from Breaking Bad. So, um, but there's always there's a lot of goodies, stuff from last season that you guys will still enjoy. So make sure you take a look at that. And uh, that's about it. You have any plugs? Anything you want to talk about? Robinson is legendary. That's all I'm saying. That's was, a great shirt. It was fantastic. Seam- seamless. Shirt. Amazing shirt. So other than that, no. You got plenty of stuff. We got a ton of season preview stuff coming this week. Atlantic Division previews. We got some stuff on Ennis Cantor. We got some more stuff coming tomorrow down the pipeline. So just keep an eye out. We're excited. Guys, season almost here. First preseason game in the bag. We got two more games this week. Plenty more to come. We're going to see you guys again this week. So you got that to look forward to later in the week, which is exciting. So other than that, Kyle, good night. We'll talk to you later. Take it easy, buddy. Take it easy, guys.